In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we'll be in Proverbs chapter 6, and we'll be looking at 6 through 11. As you turn there, if you're using a pew Bible, you'll see that on page 531. The last two sermons that you've heard in Proverbs have been laying a foundation, and, 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 and a foundation has been laid well. And in the next few sermons, you're going to hear more topical. Uh, today, we are looking at the, what the proverb teaches us about work and productivity. Now, I'm not sure why I got tapped for that topic. Some say that I have a history of working. I, I, I'll leave that up to those who, who know me well. I do want to say that as, as, as Pastor Rodrigo prayed for Jane Clark and Dot Smith, just know what saints have just left us. Jane was a member, she was 87 years old and was a member for 58 years, and, and Dot was uh, 96 years old and a member for 67 years. And when you think about work and productivity, these are two measuring sticks that are being held up before us today. Many of you might not know them. They've been out of circulation for a bit, but they went home a day apart. They were good friends, and they went to the Lord a day apart this past week. And so we'll be having a, a graveside service at the uh, cemetery here in LaGrange, Valley of Rest, at 2 o'clock. You're certainly invited to participate in that today. As for Dot Smith, uh, Jane Clark will be next Sunday at 3 at the funeral home. But it's an amazing thing, and I want, the point that I want to draw from those two lives is that we as a church stand on the shoulders of folks like them that have worked out, that have, have established Christ, that have served and helped in, a, in many ways to be in a, in, a, in, a, in a church like this. And what an incredible life that they have before us. Last week, we heard in the opening of the, the foundational passage in chapter 9, one of the things that Pastor Cam led with was the wisdom leads to life, folly leads to death. And we see across Proverbs this, this contrasting view of wisdom and folly, and you will see that over the next weeks because that, that contrast continues to be measured. And today, you'll see in our text the contrast between work and the sluggard. You're going to see a lot about the sluggard, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that as we go, but work versus laziness, this continual contrast that you'll see as we go. And it kind of finds it amazing, and we'll read in this text, I find it amazing that the Lord has used that one of the smallest creatures, the ant, to hold up before you and I as the measuring stick of how we should work. The little ant is being held up, and we'll look at that together this morning. The smallest creatures to help us with our pattern of work. So let's take a look at chapter 6, verse 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without any chief, officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. 
How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber. What we see in this text right up front is the sluggard is challenging the created order that God has established. That's one of the very first things we see that they are challenging because the ant has showing us what God's created order looks like, what work looks like, planning, self-motivation. And we'll see those things as we look into this sermon together. I'm going to break our, we'll have two points that we will look at today. And we see that in the text where it says to work wise and diligently. Wisdom brings diligent work. And then he puts a lot of energy in sluggard works lazily. Amazing how we look across the fireburbs and he's, he spends a lot of time on the sluggard. And we'll see that in, the, in our time together this morning. Before we go farther, I want to let you know on some of the things that has happened in my life. On February 13th, 1981, some of you would remember that, um, the sewer blew up in Louisville, Kentucky. And it destroyed about 13 miles of main trunk line of the sewer. I got called actually in the middle of the night and we merged in to do the emergency work to create flow for the city. And then the company that I worked for actually bid and got a portion from 7th Street to 12th Street right down Hill Street. And we we repaired a portion of that. One day I was working and I was working in more more in the the labor context, labor slash welder. um, And we were assigned the task, my partner and I, we were assigned the task of uncovering existing lines so that the equipment wouldn't dig it up and bust gas lines and other electrical cabinets. So we were digging by hand, having to go through and uncover existing utility lines. I was working and my partner was kind of leaning on the shovel. I don't know if you've ever seen a guy that does that, but that pine handle shovel leans pretty well, right? And so I'm, I'm shoveling and shoveling and digging and doing what we were tasked with, and he's kind of leaning on the shovel. Well, all of a sudden, he just almost knocks me down and starts shoveling like a wild man. And I just step back and not understanding. I look up and there comes the project manager and the foreman and a whole troop of fellows in suits and white hats. And I just lean on my shovel. I mean, I, you know. Now, if you know, if you've ever worked around me when I work, I sweat. And I sweat a lot. I've seen it as a curse sometimes, but actually it was intended for my good. It kind of keeps me cool. Well, here I stand soaking wet. Even my pants were wet from all the shoveling we'd been doing. Here's my partner. He was dry as a bone. They walk up, look down in the hole. My foreman looks at me. He says, "Uh, looks like you've been hard at it. Yep. He got fired like two or three days later. He was fired from the job. Motivation and desire are the key elements that we're that we're going to be looking at in our as we kind of break into this text from Proverbs. 
Another thing that has often surprised me about crews, and, and I have worked many, many crews over many years, one of the things that were always kind of astonishing to me is I could pull up on a job, especially, I'm not going to pick on unions here very much, but especially a union crew. I would pull up on a job, and it'd be kind of cloudy, a little bit of rain, and somebody would draw a 12-inch square really quick on the thing, and if, if 10 drops inside that, we're done because of rain. Really? Yeah, if 10 drops hit that, that's our contract. 10 drops hit that, we're out of here. But then the next day, of course, it might rain, and they would, away we go. Uh, because union contract, I couldn't do too much with it. But I would come back and hear all the stories of how we left and went hunting and fishing and all kinds of stuff in the rain. So I've never understood why wouldn't we work and be productive and get these things finished no, no, we can't work, but we can go hunt and we can go fish. Uh, Pastor Ryan's with us today, so I, he knows what I'm talking about, right? He, he knows about that fishing and the hunting in the rain, but he would not leave his job because of the rain, I can assure you. So what is a sluggard? I've been giving you a little bit of brief definitions of what that might look like in, in, in work life. But a sluggard defined is someone who is lazy and doesn't have the drive to make the most out of the day. Someone who is lazy and doesn't have the drive or the motivation to make the most out of the day. Now, the Proverbs say much about the, the Proverbs say much about this in the in a text this morning and throughout the whole the book of Proverbs. And the teaches us to go look at the ant. That's the odd thing for me. Go look at the ant. As we look at these two topics, the sluggard, the wise work diligently and the sluggard works lazily, I'm going to go backwards and start with the sluggard. I want to kind of define what that is and as you've heard and, and then one of the things we learn about the sluggard pretty quickly in this text that we have here and another text I'm going to share, is the sluggard does not prepare. They don't prepare for the day. They don't prepare what's coming. Listen to what I mean in, in Proverbs 24, 30 to 34. Listen to what the Proverbs say here. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down and then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. And so when we consider the sluggard, it is one who doesn't prepare. He doesn't get themselves ready for what's in front. And we see that here in the proverb. The second thing that we see about the sluggard across the book of Proverbs is the sluggard constantly needs someone to motivate him or her. They constantly need someone to motivate them. Now, we see that here in, the, in our text in verse 7. It says, without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares, the ant prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. And that it is the opposite. So the ant is doing this self-motivated. 
recognizing the need, doing what the ant was created to do, to survive, to build. And we'll see that as we, as we generate more through this text, as we journey more through the text. The sluggard does not prepare. The second thing is the sluggard, as we think about this constant need for motivation, we see this contrast then between the ant and her drive to survive, the diligent work that she does, and it shows us the lack of preparation that the sluggard has. Number, the, third, the third mark of the sluggard is they do not desire, uh, doesn't, they don't accomplish anything. That's another area that we see in the Proverbs. In Proverbs 13, 14, and Proverbs 21, 25, it talks about the desire plays a key role in whether a person is motivated to work in life, or would they rather be lazy? And these two Proverbs do that for us. Proverbs 13, 4, it says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. And listen to 20, 21, 25. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. And we see the seriousness then of this condition. Both of these verses teach us that when a person does not desire success, they eventually make the person poor. When we don't have a drive to complete, a drive to move forward, it eventually affects us. And it says in our text that it, it eventually kills us. Whether that is physical, emotional, or spiritual, those things play out in the life of the one that's being described here, the sluggard or the one who's lazy. A fourth mark that we'll look at this morning is the sluggard will always be punished for his or her behavior. A sluggard will always be punished. Just as desire is the stumbling block for the sluggard and has, not, and, and has nothing, so can punishment against the person. So our actions have repercussions. There's always accountability. In, in Proverbs 27:12, it says that the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. The simple, the simple in this context is, is similar to the, to the uh, sluggard, that the implications are, are lazy. And so they actually see danger and then go ahead anyway. And that's a contrast that we see here in the book of Proverbs. The prudent or wise see those warning signs, but the simple or lazy ignore them to their detriment. Number five, the mark, a fifth mark, is a sluggard is connecting to Satan and doesn't know it. You can see the marks that we're looking at are, 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 are getting deeper and they have more impact on the person. Some say that a lazy person's only detriment is to themselves, but it's actually broader than that. A person's inaction could lead them down a treacherous path. Listen to what Proverbs 18.9 says. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. 
Listen to that text. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. And I realize this sounds harsh. But this is what the wisdom that God gave Solomon to share across the ages that we can see the detriment that comes from inactivity, from, from not being motivated, from not going forward. And these five that we've laid out only scratch the surface of what the Proverbs talk about. And just as a quick list I'll give to you, the sluggard will not start things, Proverbs 14.25. The sluggard will not finish things, Proverbs 12.27. Will not face hard things, Proverbs 22.13. Is anxious and restless, Proverbs 13.4. Is constant trouble, 15.19. May have financial trouble, 21.5. Is a nuisance to others, 10.26. So we can see that, that this, as wise, this wise man that God made and Solomon, he understood the, the nature of man. He understood us. And he has written across these Proverbs the dangers. And it's tempting, right? <laughs> it's 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 easy, right, to just take a day, to just rest and lay back. Isn't it always tempting, even for those who work hard? Oh, gosh, I'd love to have just this today. And it's okay to take the day, by the way. We'll talk about that in a little bit, too. It is a difficult task. It's easy to develop the desire for instant gratification. The easy path. I've known, I've known people across my entire careers that were always looking for an easy way to get there. A, a, quick, a quick jump, a quick piece of money, a quick success, a quick way, and, it were, and we're always looking for that. Our culture feeds into that idea for us, and it constantly is bombarding us with Whatever screen you're looking at, that screen is going to entice you for easy things. The pizza delivers, boom, right here. Make a call, free pizza. Delivery, groceries, boom, groceries right now. Amazon, I can call today and I might get it this afternoon. That might be an exaggeration, but I can get it tomorrow. And then if it doesn't come tomorrow, I'm really upset. Right? Instant, instant, instant. And it drives us. And it drives us. And when we don't get it, it's a catastrophe. These discussions and, and all of these descriptions of the sluggard, and, and there's so much of it, it kind of makes us squirm a little. <laughs> And, and I don't even relish the idea of presenting so much of it to you. But clearly, the wisdom of Solomon spent a lot of time giving us the dangers of being lazy. The dangers of just rolling over again. 
the dangers of just, ah, I'm just going to lay in. I don't really care about any of that. Oh, somebody else will do it. I don't have to worry about it. There's a danger in that that he's driving for us that we can know it. But there's also another part of this that we must see and that there is a remedy. There is a remedy for the sluggard. The sluggard is not the end result that we see in this text, right? Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Being a sluggard is not the end result. It's not something that you're going to be fixed and can never change from. Not at all. This is a book of counsel. This is a book that says, hey, this is better for you. Grow in this. Do this. Look at what I've created for you. I've given you a picture of what's good for you, the Lord says. As he gives us the ant who doesn't need a chief or an officer or a ruler in order to accomplish. The ant recognizes the need to gather the harvest, to get it ready. And the the timing is perfect when the ant does it. And there's so much about the ant that we can learn from. Go to the ant, O sluggard. The New Living Translation says, take a lesson from the ant, you lazy bones. That's the New Living Translation. Take a lesson from the ant, you lazy bones. Oh, how nice it, it sounds though, right? It's so enticing. Like in last week in Proverbs when we talked saw the wise woman and the, and the woman of folly. The woman of folly was enticing. It looked good. It was going to be great. But when they got there, all the dead people were there. The easy way always looks good for us. The ant was created by God. And God has established in the ant a self-serving, a self-surviving drive that makes her productive and it makes her diligent. And it describes wise work for you and I. It describes these things so that we can also be what we were created to be. So that we can also be what we were created to be. The ant was doing what's in her DNA, just like she was created. A diligent worker, she's always seeking the good of the nest. The queen of the nest is the worker. The worker ant is always providing. Did you know the ant has two stomachs, one for self-sustaining and a second to provide for other ants? God created the ant to do these things. And he says to look at the ant. The ant has a a can-do attitude. Just take some time and watch watch one work. An ant can carry 60 times their weight on their back. They can move and they can shape, and they never quit. They never give up. They might find a different route, but they never give up. No obstacle will stop her. The ant is a strategic planner. These are the things that the Lord is showing you and I, the things that are good for us to consider. The ant thinks ahead of the things that are coming, the needs they're going to have. It's the very opposite of what we saw in the life of the sluggard that that Solomon described for us. 
The ant works as a team. They're not an individual. They work as a team to accomplish the good of the whole. And so these are great, great things to grab for us as we think about how to accomplish. Many of you know my dad. He passed away some time back, but we, most of us knew him as Pappy here. And uh, Pappy was a hard worker. He, he used to work on my crew. My brother worked on my crew. And when I go in, and, and I've been accused of over trying to overachieve, and I've set goals that are sometimes impossible, according to some. I always thought they were reasonable. Sometimes we met them, sometimes we didn't. But one of the things that would occur is we would go in, I'd get my head around what we need to be done. I'd look at the overarching schedule of the project, and I've got to have this peer poured today in order to achieve that. And we haven't even broken ground yet, potentially. So I would go in, I'd make my plan, i kind of lay it out. Nobody on the crew would have any concept that we could achieve such a thing. Well, we would just keep plugging away, plugging away. And then one of the phrases that my dad used to use, and it was something, he, he would say, you know, by 10 or 11 o'clock, it starts looking like, you know, we actually might make this pour today. We, we might make this. And he would look over at me. He says, son, I think we have found the eye of the tiger. You know where, the, you know where that came from? Eye of the tiger comes from the theme song of Rocky. Running up the steps of the, of the Philadelphia Library, you know, in my preparation, I kind of hummed that, but we'll just skip that. I'm just going to assume you guys all know that, that yeah, I'm just going to kind of skip that hum. But you know what I mean, right? Get up there and he's dancing. At the, we've accomplished it. We're going to get it. We're going to get the, mo- we're motivated. We're going to make it. And it would change the dynamic of my whole crew. When Pappy would say, hey, we have got the eye of the tiger going, it would change the dynamic. Now everybody believed we're going to make it. And you know what? We made it. What seemed to be impossible became very possible when a small group of people get their head around accomplishing the goal and, and get moving forward. That was, it was something for us to find the right rhythm you could take a small group of people and find the right rhythm, and you can accomplish enormous things. That sense of accomplishment when you're finished at the end of the day is something to behold. To realize we've done what's almost impossible, and you walk back at the end of the day, you're exhausted to the max. You know that feeling when you lay down in bed at night and your back hurts and it feels good? You, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, you do. I can see the heads. So you finish this, you, you, you make this big pour, and oh, my goodness, the accomplishment feels so good. The drive, the purpose. That's what the Lord wants for us in his work, to strive to accomplish. Do you know that we were created for work? Did you know that? In Genesis chapter 2, 15, that he, we were created to work the garden before the fall. Work is not part of our curse. Work is part of our DNA. The need to accomplish, the need to have purpose is part of who we are. When we begin to step away from those, it's a detriment to us. 
because we, we were wired like the ant to need those things. We need to strive to, towards those. The Proverbs is the Lord demonstrating to us that all of this is available. Whatever my character, whatever my position, wherever my station, the, the Lord is showing us that it's available. Here it is. Step into it. Last week we heard in Proverbs 10.9, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And he says in chapter 6, verse 6, look to the ant and be wise. As we seek the Lord, as we, as we have a relationship with him, he is showing us what we were created for. He was showing us to be wise and work diligently, strive to accomplish, be self-motivated, enjoy the work, work as if working for the Lord. When we think about the wise working diligently and the sluggard working lazily, it shows us this contrast. And this contrast will be going back and forth across Proverbs. What is wisdom and folly from last week? Here is the, is the wise working diligently and the sluggard working lazily. A quick word. As we, as we think about what all I have said about the sluggard, I don't want us to leave here overly burdened by that because these two topics are very important, and I need for you to know that if you are hindered in some way, if health is holding you back in some way, this is not talking to you. If you're not able to get up and go do work, then this is not talking to you, Right? So I don't want you to come away from this feeling some extraordinary burden because you are still able to work. You are still able to pray. You're still able to serve in whatever capacity you've been given. So if you're providentially hindered in some form or fashion, this is not talking to you at all. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 4 teaches us to, to strive to enter God's rest to strive to enter into Christ. And that's where our rest truly lies. The second thing that I want to make sure we take away here is that we also have to be careful. Uh, if you're like me, hard work, I, I nearly go nonstop. If you don't know me, just ask. You'll, you'll find that out. And I don't say that because that's a boast. I say that because it's a concern, right? Because I have to have people around me who, who, who hold me down or who will hold me back or who will encourage me, wait a minute, you need to ease up on that. And I have plenty of folks that will do that, especially my wife. She's ready to roll with that topic. So she's always there for that. 
It's important that because we can do too much work to the neglect of our family, to the neglect of our study, to the neglect of different important things. As a matter of fact, this, this week I had a, a, a community person come and they were really in a bad shape and they have income uh, to survive, but their water heater went, went bad and they were cold. They had two kids and two, two young people in the house with special needs and it was a really sad story. And they were sitting in front of me at my desk and, hey, I got to write this sermon. This is Thursday. Uh, okay, hang on a second. I made, a, I made calls to some professional plumbers. I don't know, we're two weeks out. We can't, oh, God, I'm sorry. We're not going to be able to help you. I've got this in my head. I'm, I've got this sermon to write. This is important. Uh, Peggy's our office manager, and I've always given her permission. Whenever, my, whenever I get focused on things, I, I have a great tendency to kind of neglect stuff around me. I can let writing a sermon be the objective and neglect everything around me. And I've always given her permission. And it's not just about writing a sermon. Almost any goal I get set in front of me kind of blinds me to everything around me. It's good and bad. <laughs> so just know that. But I've always given her permission. And so she came and she said, you know, this lady is going to really need that. She really needs that water heater. Okay, so got a crew together, got some guys together. We went and put the water heater in. Then I wrote the sermon later. My point, we have to be careful how we approach our work. Just to go work and be busy work is not also not helpful. Just like the sluggard. We can take busy work and, and, and abuse them what the Lord has given us. And so we also have to be careful with that. Trusting in the Lord, listening to the Holy Spirit, allowing it to be our guide to do the good work for the Lord. Because he has established us. He has called us. He has given us work to accomplish. One of the things I also want to make sure that we we take home because when I first started thinking about the topic, I began to separate somehow, I'm not sure why, but I began to separate my secular work that I do and some things I've done in, the, in our spiritual work. Proverbs is not separating those things. Our secular work, the things we're doing outside, is, is our work. It's the work that we've all been given. And, when we, and we, we're, whatever work we're doing, whatever we've been assigned, it is the Lord who's given us that work. It is the Lord who has placed us in that place to serve in humility and desire and not have to have somebody prodding me forward all the time, but to be reflecting Christ to wherever I am and whatever I'm doing and whatever work I'm accomplishing, to enjoy the work. You know, statistically, most of us don't enjoy our jobs. We were designed to work and create and, and, to, and to accomplish and to appreciate. And the Lord is teaching us the value of those things in Proverbs. We need those things. He has created those things for us. Psalm 90 leads our worship this morning. You'll see that in your bulletin. And Psalm 90 teaches us that the Lord is our dwelling place. 
It teaches us to number our days so that we can have a heart of wisdom. To, to, to recognize I have a limited amount of time to get this done for the Lord. Instead of, oh, well, I'll just do that tomorrow. I got plenty of time. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. And then the last thing that we see here in uh, the Psalm 90 that's leading our text, it says, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Oh, yes, establish the work of our hands. What I want us to realize, Christian, it is not that he will establish the work of your hands. He already has established the work of your hands if you are in Christ. The Scriptures are our job description. And it doesn't even need that last little line that says, and other duties as assigned, because all the duties are our sign, because the Scriptures give them to us. When we, and, and the, number one, the number one job description, you know how job descriptions got all your number one, two, three, four, five, six? Number one is love God. That's the number one work that he assigns to us is love him. And if we love him, all of a sudden, our work is not a burden anymore. All of a sudden, the work becomes a good thing for us. And we begin to embrace it, and we begin to move forward in it. It is not a burden. If you don't know Christ, whether you're here or, or whether you're hearing us on live stream, Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. If you don't know Christ, come to him. Be set free from this burden of sin. And when we are set free from that, then truly we are set free to work and to be productive, and to serve the Lord, and to reveal Christ. That's our calling. That's our work. To love Him. To love one another, and to love our neighbor. In summation, that is our work. That's what we've been called to do. To serve Him, and to love Him. Let's pray.